Welcome to the 10th and final episode of the 5th series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She's an award-winning coach, consultant, speaker, and global CX influencer, and was named one of the top CX25 professionals in the world. As the engagement lead at award-winning diversity and inclusion consultancy Watch This Space, she turns insight into actionable strategy and works with clients who are innovating and transforming to create a positive impact. She's the mother to a beautiful toddler called Yuri and dedicates all of her work to him. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Diana Avis. Hey, Diana. Hi, Claire. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Where are you joining us from today? I am joining you from sunny Chelmsford, Essex. Whoop, whoop for the Essex crew. I'm in Essex too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So very much welcome to Inspiring Women in CX and welcome to all the listeners who are following the podcast and your story today too. So I'm going to just jump straight in there uh, with a first question. And would you like to tell our listeners a little bit more about how you found your way into the women in CX community? Yeah, certainly. Well, I, um, I found women in CX through LinkedIn, through your posts on LinkedIn. I can't remember exactly how you and I connected, but just, you know, I was following you as an influential person in LinkedIn. And then when I left my corporate job to start my own business as a CX consultant, I was so lonely. And so I I remember reaching out to you. I literally sent you a DM and I was like, Claire, <laughs> help. Being a solopreneur is so lonely. Tell me how I join women in CX because I need to be like with other people on this journey. Um, and that's how it started. You, you know, you sent me the info on joining and I, um, you know, gave it a try. And I was just like instantly in love from, from the first like day that I signed up just because the energy of it is so thank you (laughs) the energy (laughs) of it is like just so uplifting and ah, it's just really refreshing really refreshing yeah and you've been pretty active I'd say since you joined (laughs) just uh, (laughs) a a few of the milestones that you remember with the listeners what have you been up to in in Wix (laughs) yeah you know I I feel so um, so fortunate to have been able to work so closely with Wix and to really um, like be part of the community and, and also to feel part of the team as well. Um, so like essentially when I joined, um, you know, straight away I had, um, you know, the, the catch up, well, there was a quarterly catch up and then I had a catch up with you and there was the opportunity to lead the research project for the kind of the next phase of Wix, the designing the new proposition in the brand. And um, that was brilliant because it um, it was a chance to work with CX principles on something that is in the CX space. So it was just like double awesome because working like with the most amazing kind of organization as well. So I feel like straight away, like getting to know the organization from the inside out. And that gave me an opportunity to really know our community members, the people that we serve, and also the um, the wider CX community and how we can help them. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was that was Defo. One big milestone was working with the team on the research project, and and through that, meeting so many like dozens of incredible women in the community and getting to know them 
like really in depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were your first client technically, weren't you? Because you just started your business. <laughs> you were, you were. Thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. And you've been and presented webinars. Yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me. I did. I did a webinar for women in CX as well. Yep, yep. Yes, sharing your case study, wasn't it, on uh, customer experience improvement? I remember that one. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and here we are today on our podcast together. <laughs> yes. Having got yeah. to know each other very well over that time. And yeah, just huge thanks to you for all you've contributed to our journey so far. Um, without the research that you did in the summer, um, we wouldn't be so clear in terms of what our members want and need and have moved so rapidly towards building the the, the Wix 2.0 platform that's now uh, live <laughs> with all our mm. MVPs. So thank you again. Um, so yeah, we mentioned your case today there. Um, do you want to tell a little bit more about the career journey that you've been on and how you've ended up where you are now, which is also another iteration of Deanna again? (laughs) Yes, yes, certainly in true, um, Scorpio fashion, I keep reinventing myself (laughs) every, uh, practically every 24 hours, um, so yeah, like my my CX career trajectory, I mean, I've been in CX for 13 years now um, and was leading CX projects at an engineering company here in Chelmsford um, called, well, they're called E2V and then they were bought by Teledyne, but you know, that's kind of, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. They They build fancy components that go in everything from like the Mars rover through to like cancer radiotherapy machines through to commercial industrial equipment. So it was really interesting, like heavily B2B, very um, cross sector and just working with like super brainy people all the time. Um, so that was really interesting um kind of a, it was a global role so i was um leading cx projects in asia um america and europe and um and so and then i got headhunted to lead the cx transformation at part of aviva so essentially aviva the, you know which most people know is the largest insurer in the uk owned their own group of repair centers and they had this problem which was you know aviva is the number one insurer they've got a tremendous brand and they owned this repair center that was just like totally not living up to the name. Um, and it was just like, wow, we need to do something about this or we need to sell it. Like it was that big of an issue for them. So I thought that sounds like a nice hairy challenge. And I like, <laughs> I like that, you know, like something like a blank sheet um, to to really create a CX strategy and to really see the impact um, of, you know, of customer focus on an organization. So I I went for it. I left like, you know, that amazing job at E2V to go do that. Um, and it was, um, it was challenging. It took several years, you know, CX transformations don't happen, you know, from one day to the next, but it was really exciting. We just redesigned the whole brand, did a lot of work around employee experience, redesigned the whole customer journey. Um, and as a result, we ended up sweeping the CX awards. Um, so that was, that was super satisfying, like still up there with one of the best nights of my life, <laughs> defo up there with the worst hangover of hangover of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and that, that just reminds me like where I first came across you, but I didn't know it was you until well later. That was the same year 
you and I appeared on the same list together, didn't we? And the CXM stars. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I remember seeing your photo and thinking, oh, she's so pretty. Like, go, I wonder, I wonder what she's up to. And we never, never interfaced, did we then, until you sent me that message that one day mm. on LinkedIn. And then later going, oh my God, like, I remember now <laughs> in 2019, I think it was. Is that when you won the awards? 2020? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we won our first award in 2018 and then we won a bunch of other ones, including overall in 2019. 2019, yeah, because mm-hmm. that was on your profile. Um, but yeah, like you literally swept the board on that one, didn't you? So please do carry on, carry on. <laughs> yeah, so like, um, so that was um, that was kind of the trajectory at Solace. And then, you know, there was loads more that we did after that, you know, working on our, our diversity and inclusion strategy, doing lots more work around voice of employee um, and internal culture. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. I um, I had a baby, <laughs> and um, and after returning from maternity leave, it was just like this, like foot hanging over the cliff moment. Like, do I take that leap? Because I had for years and years wanted to work as a consultant because I really like novelty. I think you and I should maybe share some similarities in the way that our brains work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 for anyone who's new to the podcast, and I've spoken about this many times, but we have. ADHD in common (laughs) yeah and our brains definitely do go off on the same tangents (laughs) yeah and I feel like that's an asset for what we do because we know we think out of the box in lots of ways so anyways Mm. really just seeking that um those new experiences and the opportunity to make a difference for more people at once um rather than in just one organization so I thought you know what this is my opportunity so when maternity leave ended like I was like, this is crazy because like this has been the best job I've ever had, but I'm going to say goodbye to it. So I did and I started my own CX consultancy, um, Starfish CX. Um, and that was really thanks to support from so many people in the CX community, because when I started, even though I knew CX, I didn't know about running a business. And so I really did need support and advice on that. So, you know, like support that I got from you and the women in CX community, the solopreneurs community within women in CX, mm-hmm. um, other people in the C- in the wider CX world who supported me, like Ian Golding, like very generously supported me. Like he is such a legend, like just such a nice guy, so mm-hmm. humble and like so pro at what he does. Um, Adrian Swinsco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also other people who supported me, like just... Um, James Surridge, who I used to work with, I uh, worked with uh, numerous times on as a client of his because he's a like branding guru and he helped me create the Starfish brand. And I'm forever grateful for that, just being able to bounce ideas off of his creative brain. So, um, so yeah, it was Defo, um, Defo team effort to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, some great allies there, right? I mean, in the guys. So, I know I told you this before, but the listeners don't know. Um, but Ian Golden was the person who I reached out to. I mean, I reached out to loads of people when I first left um, corporate in 2017, asking for like, how did you do this? Like, how did you get from you know leaving? He was he worked in big box retail as well, but digital retail to you know being this influential and um being you know really visible on LinkedIn. And like, he was the only person that said, yeah, I'm happy to share. I can help mm. you and mm-hmm. we met in pret in London and he was just so open and kind and Adrian Swingsco yeah massive props to that guy um very similar this helped me so much 
you know, right at the start when I when I set out on my own whilst I was building women in CX, he came and spoke at our conference. Um, so yeah, there are some really generous guys out there um who were supporting women <laughs> in mm-hmm. CX and, and around the community too. So yeah. Yeah. Just emphasizing those shout outs. <laughs> yeah, defo, defo. And I think sometimes it can feel really scary to reach out to people because like when I first left, I was like, you know. Uh, it felt really scary to even write to them because they're like these big names. And I was like, you know, not sure whether they would even respond, but just, um, I guess it's just takes that, you know, takes that leap of faith. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess like part of the reason I ended up starting women in CX was remembering how hard it was to find help at the Mm -hmm. start. So many people, didn't, weren't interested because I guess it was potentially introducing a competitor into the landscape and I think what we've managed to fashion in women in CX with the solopreneurs club is actually collaboration over competition mm-hmm. being the route to collective success so mm-hmm. um, so many women are referring one another for work they can't do they're collaborating together and winning big contracts as a group um, they're able to become international by being part of a community so one of our members has got a um, pitch for a client in Bahrain she lives in Canada she's reached out to women that are in the Middle East from our community they're now in with a really good shot of winning it so um, I think yeah we've made like massive progress particularly in that solopreneur building our own businesses because we've stopped thinking about competition um, and started thinking about collaboration and everybody's winning as a result of supporting one another I like I love what I love logging into LinkedIn now when because I never used to see any other women being particularly visible apart from the ones in America um, I kind of was like, on my own for a while and now I see women having the confidence to post but also seeing all the other solopreneurs backing their content and helping with their organic reach whereas yeah they used to feel a lot more competitive (laughs) in Mm. terms of who was um dominating the conversations and the chaps out there sometimes yeah I'm just gonna say it how it is um criticizing one another's content and particularly the women would be getting Mm. shot down on LinkedIn if they said Mm -hmm. something I remember there was a guy that had this phase of just saying this is banal (laughs) (laughs) commenting on people's posts and yeah just seeing like the 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 increase in positivity I think that's come from from this group of women um supporting one another so yeah nice one to read and now for a quick word from one of our sponsors we are proud to be supported by Kantar the world's leading evidence-based insight and consulting company Kantar CX helps clients define customer and employee experience strategies better understand their customers via measurement and in turn improve business outcomes driving true commercial ROI. To find out more about Kantar CX practice please visit the sponsor links on the homepage of womenincx.community. Now back to the episode. Um, but yeah but now you're you've just got an amazing new job right that helps yeah. you balance desire to do multiple things um having well he's not a baby anymore now is he he's a toddler <laughs> um the challenges that come with motherhood still being able to do your CX um practice and I don't think you mentioned you're also a Wix approved coach <laughs> you've got a, yes. another business there so tell us about your coaching and your um new job 
Yes. Yes, of course. So when I, when I left corporate um, in March of 2022, I thought, what am I going to do with my time? Like while I'm ramping my business up. And I thought I am going to focus on like completely upskilling myself as a coach. Cause I had already been like practicing as a coach within Solus and leading um, like leadership development programs and stuff like that. But I wanted to get ICF accredited because that's what's globally recognized. So I did my ICF coach training um, and launched my coaching business alongside my CX stuff. And that's really come to the fore because I'm super passionate about it. Um, And so I can't even remember how the Wix approved coaches came about. It's just like this beautiful synchronicity that it was there at this time that I was ready to launch. And so together with the other coaches, um, we are now there to support other women in CX who've, um, who are on this journey. Cause I'm, yeah, I mean, it's just so helpful to have other people to bounce things off of. Um, and so that's awesome to be able to support the community in that way Mm. as well. Yeah, no, totally. And your coaching fuses a few different methodologies, doesn't it? So yeah, I really, you know what, one of the things that really annoys me about coaching is everyone's like, you need to pick a niche. So you've got to be like super specific. Like I'm a, oh such gosh, and such. <laughs> a such and such a coach. And I really do not like niching because I feel like people are whole people. Like no one in themselves is like a two-dimensional thing. And if you're dealing with any aspect of life, all of the other aspects of life are going to affect on that. Like, even if you're just saying, you know, I'm just an executive coach, the stuff that's going on in your relationship and your health and your finances and your well-being, like everything is affecting that. So I don't really believe in niching. Um, I like, um, really passionate about taking a view of the whole person and I think also part of my my training as a counselor comes into it as well I don't think I'd mentioned that but like no I don't think you did (laughs) (laughs) this is me and my me and my million personalities like my million ADHD personalities (laughs) running off and doing 10,000 things um because really like my big 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 dream is one day hopefully soon because I've applied for an MA and I'm just waiting for the results to come back um of the application I think I'll get in because I've um Anyways, tangent. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. So I really, really want to um, qualify as a counselor. Um, And so I've done counseling training. There's just two more years to to fully Mm. qualify. And so when I go back in September, I'll actually start to see people and get my clinical hours. So that when I say my coaching is integrative, it's because I'm blending like my counseling experience, my exec coaching, life coaching. I also did recovery coaching, which is about, you know, recovery from basically anything. Like quite often it starts with addiction, but then when you look at addiction recovery, it's like, what's caused that addiction what's behind that like the family systems the social situation the trauma the everything so like um all of that comes into it so yeah (laughs) I love it it. and yeah absolutely it's all interconnected isn't it like Mm -hmm. everything um how successful in inverted commas we are in life um I know for me personally, I was seen as someone who is hugely successful in my career, but my personal life was in tatters. So Mm, mm -hmm. um, I was never going to achieve true success or happiness without being able to address the other areas of my life that perhaps were less visible to uh, others. So yeah, I think that integrative healing approach to being able to pinpoint where are things coming out in my life that are expressing 
that perhaps there may be something I need to look at, but it's probably not in that box that you're experiencing the problem in. It's perhaps in the past or it's perhaps mm-hmm. um, in terms of um, recovering from trauma or recognizing the triggers that might make you respond to situations. I know you and I have so many conversations about <laughs> about this kind of thing. And um, I'm going to come back to that in a second, but you're now working this shiny new job like we keep going off on these adhd girl tangents and like never getting to the, <laughs> the end of the story so what are you doing now Tell us what you're doing yeah now. so what i'm doing now i'm absolutely psyched um because as of january like literally january 4th i started a new job at watch this space and they are an award-winning diversity and inclusion consultancy that i have been keeping my eye on for a while now um for a few reasons i um i used to work with mo um one of the co-founders back when I was at my engineering job. So way, way, way back my first CX job, Mo and I worked together and, you know, we even worked in Hong Kong together and stuff. So I know already that it's built on solid foundations. Um, and, And then just seeing what they were doing and being like, wow, I really wish that I was doing something in the DNI space because I'm so passionate about it because I've had so many experiences myself of like DNI gone wrong <laughs> or just not being done at all. Um, just like in terms of the culture shock coming from like such a multicultural place as California mm-hmm. to like Essex, which is not the most diverse place. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, I was like a mega fangirl of Watch This Space for ages. And then I spoke at their conference in September uh, and gave a talk about neurodiversity and mental health, mm-hmm. where I was really, really open about stuff I'd not spoken about publicly like anywhere. Um, and then this job opportunity came up and it's um it's perfect you know it's flexible I feel because it's a startup I still feel very much like it's mine in a way like you know obviously not not like it's mine but like just like empowered in the same way Mm. as when I was running my own because there's that room to create Mm. to um to really influence the way things are done Oh, that's perfect, isn't it? Well, it sounds very mm. exciting and it looks like an amazing company to work for. So I'm very much looking forward to watching what happens with Watch This Space. So there's so many things that we've talked about already in terms of um, this career path that you've charted uh, alongside following multiple personal interests. Um Diana didn't even mention that she's used to be in a mariachi band (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then you know kind of finding your way here to um, women in CX and going through this like really transformational journey for yourself in terms of really figuring out what you want and going after it and finding these amazing opportunities that completely match what you stand for your values and give you that flexibility to be more than one person with your ADHD personalities to be able to be um awesome mom to a toddler um consultant that can do flexible work if she wishes coach um to clients as a another part of your business as well as part-time working for this really awesome company that aligns with your values but there must have been some challenges or barriers you've overcome to get to this point of finding balance and as a whole person in your career as well what what would you say the biggest barrier or challenge you've overcome has has been <laughs> mm-hmm. defo I mean I think I think the biggest challenge for me and I think probably a lot of people will relate um has been 
like just trauma and uh, mental health, because really I was spent so long as a very high functioning person. Like, and I felt, I think that makes imposter syndrome worse, right? Because you're like, you're performing, you're getting recognitions, you're getting promotions, et cetera, et cetera. And inside you're feeling completely different. And like you mentioned before about that disconnect between like the personal life and professional life, it was like for ages, like my per- professional life was wonderful and mm-hmm. everything else was just like hanging on by a thread. Um, and I think I convinced myself that that was okay because mm-hmm. it was somehow like, you know, oh, look, I'm fine because look, I'm doing all of this. Um, and it's, it kind of, um, took me falling on my ass a few times, <laughs> like mentally to realize, mm-hmm. wait, I can't just run on fumes all the time. I need to actually be kind to myself. And I need to look at why do I have this pattern of running myself into the ground and putting everyone else first and putting what everyone else thinks of me first. And, um, and then just like, I'm an afterthought. Um, so that's something that's, um, that's been a barrier because it was something that, um, on the one hand, like helped my career, but also held me back. It became counterproductive. And so I think the antidote to that is really authenticity mm-hmm. and vulnerability and that it's okay to be who you are and it's okay to not be made of steel and, mm-hmm. you know, to have feelings, the full range of feelings. We're not always, um, yeah. you know, perfect. Perfect is impossible. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing Bren- Brenny Brown there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, vulnerability and authenticity. And it's so hard, isn't it, sometimes to stand there in your own truth. And so much of what you said resonated with me about kind of naturally falling more into people-pleasing behaviours, like really loose boundaries that compromise me, Mm. but the benefit of everybody else or the rest of the world. Um, Seeing the impact that... Um, certain choices in other areas of my life was having on my health and well-being but like you said still thinking well I'm okay because look at the job that I've got (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, look at the promotion I recently got or like the award that I just won Um, and then hitting this point you say falling on your ass from a mental health point of view of going well none of that is feels true to me <laughs> I've started to not see that um that version of who people think I am doesn't exist to me anymore either so mm-hmm. um, I always have like so much admiration and respect for you um for having gone on that journey of your own authenticity and confidently just standing out there and going this is me and I'm going to do my thing and to hell with the, what anyone else says you know about the niche as the example you know how to niche down what I've got too many interests. I'm not going to niche. <laughs> um, I think I think it's amazing. Um, so you know, talked a lot here. I think about um diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, also you know, this continuous evolution of oneself to continue to iterate towards becoming more of who we are rather than more of what someone else or others might expect us to be um but I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about what you touched on having moved from California to the UK and your experience of being an immigrant yourself in terms of um, DE and I how how has that affected you and 
the reason that you're moving um, away, not even running away from CX, but moving into this space of combining those things together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Like the way it affected me was, uh, you know what? I think when I first got here, I didn't have any reference points. So it's just like, okay, this is all different. So I guess this is just how things are. But kind of at the first company that I worked at here, it was very, very classist, sexist, uh, right wing, just like homophobic, just like all of the bad things. Um, and um, and so I think I I mean, it rubbed me the wrong way, but I guess it really got personal because it was quite a um, because of the nature of the projects we worked on. There was lots of security clearance required. So some kind of like xenophobia was tied up in policy as in, oh, we can't let you see this because you're a foreigner. (laughs) And um, like literally like there used to be this lady that I worked with and she would like put her hands over her computer screen when I walked by because she didn't want me to see. And I was like, wow, that is really making me feel really bad. Like that is not okay. Um, And like just, just loads of stuff. I was called into a meeting and again, orchestrated by this lady. And again, in that meeting called a foreigner and say, we need to, they, the one of the one quite senior person there actually said, we have to be careful what we say in this meeting because there's a foreigner present. And he said that as if I wasn't sitting right next to him. Mm. Um, and so I was like literally crying in that meeting and no one stood up for me. Like no one. It was just like, um, yeah, it was horrible. And just lots of things like people complaining about because um, we had quite a diverse workforce. So the operators in the engineering company, you know, were more diverse than the leadership. That's quite mm. often the case. You'll see more diversity, you know, further down the food chain. And then as it goes up, it gets more homogenous. Um, and people would complain you know, oh, it's about people speaking languages other than English. And that, I mean, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. Mexican-American. I actually spoke Spanish before I spoke English. And and just all of that stuff I find so, so harmful Mm -hmm. because it is harmful. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. because people do face discrimination for, um, I mean, it's it's just unacceptable. It just brought back lots of trauma from, like, just Mm -hmm. being in California. And you have probably lots of people have seen Americans behaving badly and saying, you know, wearing their Donald Trump hats and saying, you know, we're in America now, speak English and stuff like that. And that stuff happens, like that's happened to us in in the line, you know, trying to order fast food in peace and people are like shouting at us. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, but I think kind of like I did have like a, like where just everything changed, like a big paradigm shift in the UK. And that was, you remember the 7-7 bombings? Now that's going back like way, way, way long time. Mm -hmm. But everything was super tense after that. Um, And I remember like a few days after that, walking through the park at lunchtime and I was on my own, like there was no one else there. And this one guy like is approaching me and he (laughs) is really angry and he just shouts at me, foreigner. And like, I can like practically feel the froth like from his mouth, like hitting me, like he's just so angry. And I was like, what the hell? So I just started running. Like I literally just ran because he was like unhinged. And I was that for me, like was heartbreaking because up until that point I thought I'm foreign because like I have an accent and people can hear that I'm not from here but because at that point I hadn't opened my mouth and I realized Mm -hmm. I was just being judged on how I looked and being judged that I didn't belong here and I was like shit (laughs) all sorry to swear on this podcast it's fine it's fine fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was just like, is that what everybody thinks of me? Like I've been doing my best since I got here, you know, like three years ago to mm-hmm. assimilate, to learn the culture here, to do my best to be a good immigrant. And it's still not enough. I still don't fit. Um, and something in me changed forever that day. Cause I just mm-hmm. realized that it's, um, I don't even know how to put it into words. Injustice. But- Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I carried that that seed of rage inside of me that still <laughs> still is there a little fire burning because I really it's just I think there's an identity problem here where there's certain types of people who are seen as belonging as British or as English. Um, and that is um, not OK, because I mean, I have British citizenship. Okay, I don't have a British accent, but you know, like I have as much of a right to be here as anyone else. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really think there's fundamental identity issues in this, um, in this country that need to be worked on, because we are multicultural, like people just need to um, accept that we do Mm -hmm. not live in the Stone Age. No, and and embrace that diversity because actually with diversity comes so many amazing things, right? Yeah, Yeah. so much, so much. And and just to go back to your other point, because you asked about like blending CX and diversity and inclusion. And I I tried to do that in the last role that I was in, um, but I still found that organizationally they were so split. Like diversity and inclusion was seen as like, that belongs to the people function. Mm. CX belongs to like, wherever CX is, you know, they always move Mm. CX, but they were like two separate things. And so I was like the CX person who was like the only one carrying the torch for DNI because no one else was doing it. And it was kind of like, they let me do it because no one else was doing it. But it's just, it was just like, okay, this is fundamentally, we're missing something here because this is something so important. And if CX is all about people, how are we missing this aspect of looking at who we're actually serving? Mm-hmm. yeah and, and I think it's the people we serve right so I think your example of working in a corporate organization I've been here where most of the leadership are white middle-aged men and they are not reflective of the people that are employed on the front line you know the more multi-site type organizations the more diversity there seems uh, to be in the operational layer but also reflective of Britain and the customers we serve and um i think you know organizations who are talking dei typically there's like the hr aspect of it isn't there of how do we get better representation in leadership and management how to how do we avoid inequalities like um some of the stuff that's in the press at the moment about you know um, paternal leave and not creating barriers for women to return to work and flexible working having inclusive working environments from a physical um or or disabilities perspective um and that can only be a great thing can't it but it's coming up against the culture where as you said there are these huge problems that um the public or the corporate organization the individuals individuals within it carrying so much bias but also trying to change that and I think customer experience is a really great focal point for being able to create change through the way we design things so whether that's from a physical inclusion point of view in environments or a digital point of view in terms of accessibility um, or from a people and culture perspective about helping um, frontline employees or every layer of employee to understand the differences that exist (laughs) within 
cultures for example um but yeah it's not that particularly well understood um I think we talked this week so I know you did a presentation today didn't you about inclusive CX about like the power of being able to build um like inclusive design tools that organizations can use when they're creating um, products and services and experiences themselves and I think CX professionals with a little bit of knowledge and insight around um, inclusion can really really help to create change on both the customer and employee um, side um, yeah I'm really excited actually we've got Christine Hemphill coming into the community she's already a member but joining us in March for mm. a webinar specifically about like what are the um, kind of five key things that if every CX professional could think about these w within their own practice how much of the world we could change um, along the way so yeah, I'm that's, with you. that's going to be amazing I love Christine's work I saw uh, one of her workshops at um, a CX conference last year and she is like a trailblazer in CX she was the first person yeah. I saw who like just consciously like blended the two and I was like hallelujah it can be done like we can blend those two things so we yeah. just need more and more because really all CX should be consciously inclusive CX. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't really say we're thinking about um, human-centeredness if we're not thinking about all shapes, sizes, and ranges of humans mm -hmm. <laughs> within that. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's kind of just leading on from that, really, um, to kind of round things off a little, is just to think about how many different examples you've given us here about having made your own personal and professional transformations like sounds like you're never going to be done you're going to keep moving in the direction that your authentic self told you to go um, but what would you say to our listeners in terms of advice for reinventing oneself if that feels like something they would like to do yeah I mean I, I really I think in terms of a work context one thing that really helped me was embracing the concept of being an entrepreneur. So basically, like, because so often we think, oh, like, I really want that job, but, you know, there's not that vacancy there or whatever. And being an entrepreneur is being like, okay, what do I want my job to be? How can I find ways to do that? You know, what resources do I need? What people do I need? Like, let, and just going out there and doing it. So a lot of my career trajectory was through entrepreneurship and yeah. like kind of um, creating that vision and just stepping into it. So I think like, just kind of like be gutsy, go for it. Don't ask for permission to do what you want. If you know that it's the right thing to do, you know, so like, just like have faith in your vision. And I think that that applies personally as well. So, I mean, so much of, of it is also about being able to let go of stuff because we have to just like, you know, hermit crabs outgrow their shells, like, you know, certain phases in life will teach us certain things and then we have to let go to let other things in so um yeah like I'm just a big fan of like consciously deciding like what am I going to hold on to what am I embracing because you cannot carry everything around like a hermit crab crab carrying around like 10,000 houses <laughs> you need to give yourself space to grow mm -hmm, absolutely well here here to that and that really resonates with me about on the business side, being an entrepreneur when it came to CX and um, having obviously moved on and become an entrepreneur. <laughs> I think that's why so many of us do do that and end up breaking out into the freelance consulting world as well, because we have that within us, that entrepreneurship and being able to start and create our own businesses off the back of that um, seems mm. to be a natural, natural step for CX 
professionals particularly women in CX so that's all we've got time for I'm afraid it's been so fun to have you on the show today thank you (laughs) thank you so much for having me it's flown by you're welcome you're welcome Uh, what would be your like one top takeaway that you'd like to leave our listeners with from this conversation um my takeaway would be it's gonna sound so cheesy but it's so important just to be true to yourself if you feel that in work you're not able to bring your full self to that that doesn't mean that you need to change that's probably a sign that the environment needs to change (laughs) so I would say either like have the gumption to go out there and try and influence it or if you can't realize that you're made for a bigger pot and go find that bigger pot where you can flourish oh I love that analogy like about the flower isn't it you move it into the sunshine or you change the soil you don't change the plant Amazing. Well, thank you so much. As I said, it's been wonderful to host you on um, the Women in CX podcast. It's been amazing to have you in our community. Can't wait to continue to collaborate with you on into the future. Likewise. Thank you. And I look forward to meeting so many of you. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Yes. And thank you to everyone for listening along at home as well. We'll see you all next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Muscat. If you're enjoying the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about becoming a member of the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out womenincx.community. That's it for series five, but we'll be back real soon sharing even more inspiring CX stories from members of the Wix community in series six. See you all soon.